one of the things that the executive order makes clear is that the Biden administration is not thinking about AI and privacy as separate issues. And that's sort of been a strain of thought that's become more and more accepted. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, breaking down the White House's AI executive order and what the new AI policy means for federal agencies. It's Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Before we start, a quick programming note. The Daily Scoop podcast will be off next week for Thanksgiving. After that, we'll be back with new episodes again starting Tuesday, November 28th. And with that, here's what's happening now. Satisfaction with U.S. government services is on the rise again, according to the 2023 American Customer Satisfaction Index Federal Government Report. That report, released Tuesday, found that citizen satisfaction with U.S. government services has climbed 2.9% since last year to a score of 68.2 out of 100, building on a 4.6% jump from 2021 to 2022. Driving the overall gains were upticks in Americans' perception of government website quality, the courtesy and professionalism of government customer service, views on the efficiency and ease of government processes, and ease of access and clarity of information. The boost comes as the Biden administration has put the improvement of federal customer services and digital services in its crosshairs. President Joe Biden signed an executive order on transforming customer experience in December 2021 in line with goals laid out in his president's management agenda. And just recently, the Office of Management and Budget issued new policy guidance to enhance federal digital services. In other news, IBM launched a new tool Tuesday that is designed to help businesses and governments better understand what goes into the artificial intelligence they use and manage its potential risks. The product, referred to as WatsonX.Governance, is aimed at providing organizations with nutrition label-like detail about where and how any AI model gets the information for its outputs so they can meet anticipated transparency and safety regulations. IBM envisions both businesses and government could use the tool and has been in conversation with government entities primarily in the U.S., including state and local governments across the country. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. Today, we have a very special interview between two of our own here at Scoop News Group. CyberScoop Senior Editor Elias Grohl is joined by FedScoop Tech Reporter Rebecca Howell for an in-depth conversation on the Biden administration's recent Artificial Intelligence Executive Order and how it will shape the way government uses AI moving forward. We'll take you now to that conversation. Please enjoy. My name is Elias Grohl. I'm the host of Safe Mode. I'm joined today by Rebecca Heilweil, a reporter for our sister publication, FedScoop. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So this has been AI Week in Washington. The White House has rolled out its long-awaited AI executive order. It's a beast and places major new requirements on federal agencies on how they use AI. And the EO is trying to strike a balance for government use of AI. Let's. Why don't we begin by kind of talking through some of the trade-offs at play here? 
Yeah. So if you've been following the tech policy discussion in Washington for the past few years, you've heard a lot about AI safety, um, concerns about discrimination, bias, privacy risks, a lot of concerns with artificial intelligence. At the same time, we've also heard a lot about how the U.S. government really wants to invest in artificial intelligence and invest in this technology and really become a leader in it. So if you read the executive order, it really feels like the government trying to strike a balance or just trying to do both essentially with trying to regulate the technology and rein it in, um, and especially with certain sensitive use cases, while also trying to actively encourage the use of artificial intelligence within the government and promote um, an AI economy. So for that reason, it's really incredibly interesting. And it's, it's not saying no to this technology. In a lot of ways, it's saying yes to it, but it's also trying to appease a lot of concerns about what the impact it could, the impact it could have on, on everyday people. Yeah, what one of my sources this week described the AI as a starting gun for government and AI, which I think is a pretty good metaphor for it. So let's you're reporting this week, you've been looking a lot at federal agencies and how they're going to be approaching AI post executive order. What are agencies going to be dealing with? So yeah. A whole range of agencies are are called up to do stuff related to AI um, because of this executive order. So there are, you know, again, it is twenty, nearly twenty thousand words long. So really, a lot of stuff in there. But there are new responsibilities for NIST. There's new responsibilities for Commerce, for Energy, for HHS, for for OMB. Um, basically, every agency that has sort of some subject area that might relate to artificial intelligence, they have some assignment um, that they that they have to deal with. Um, I think what's interesting about this is that it is telling them to use this technology, research it, while also trying to stay aware of the risks that might be associated with it. At the same time, it's also creating a framework to massively increase the amount of AI-related staff within the federal government. Notably, it talks a lot about chief AI officers, which is a increasingly important uh, position within this discussion. So many reports. A lot of reports. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be reading reports. I think for the next year, we're going to be up to our necks in reports. I think we're the, probably some of the few people who actually end up reading these reports. So I, we're we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, if you love reading, this is great news for you. Yeah, if you love reading, become a uh, cybersecurity and uh, federal technology reporter. You'll be reading fun reports your whole life. Um, some of the stuff that I've been focused on this week is the uh, security and reporting requirements. That's the part of this and. There's, I think it's interesting the, the extent to which the executive order is engaging with questions of existential risk. There's a big debate about whether AI safety should be focused on existential risk questions. So the idea that an AI model might be used to create novel biological weapons and whether that maybe crowds out focus on more near-term risks like privacy, bias, and discrimination concerns. And that EO is really trying to do both, and it has interesting requirements for the frontier model. So any frontier model above a certain size, big companies running training runs will have to report the results uh, to the government. Any model that poses so-called national security risks, the government wants to be aware of it. The AI sets out... Um, a requirement for the Department of Commerce via NIST to develop standards for red teaming AI models. This is an emerging discipline that is more kind of art than science right now. And 
big companies that run these so-called frontier models will have to report the results of their red teaming exercises back to the federal government. And the idea is that the federal government wants to be aware of so-called CBRN risks, chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear risks, and whether these models might be used to create weapons. It's also trying to engage with the discussion around AI and um, disinformation. And the government wants to create standards for watermarking content. So basically that content that a user would encounter on the internet, they would see some type of verifiable watermark to know that either content is authentic or that content has been generated using AI. And again, this is another kind of emerging discipline where the computer scientists are working hard on. And there is some technology in this space to do it but it's very industry-led, it's fractured, and the government with the EO is, I think, trying to bring a bit of coherence um, to this space. Um, but I want to return to the, the privacy question on this. There's a lot of concern and attention in the EO on AI and privacy. This is something you've been looking at, Rebecca. What are the implications for privacy as it relates to AI in the EO? Yeah, one of the things that the executive order makes clear is that the Biden administration is not thinking about AI and privacy as separate issues. And that's sort of been a strain of thought that's become more and more accepted. Um, obviously, AI and privacy are, are incredibly tied up together. You have the data that a lot of machine learning systems are trained on, which can raise privacy risks. And then you also have the the potential privacy threats raised by the application of those technologies, whether it's like facial recognition or um, social media surveillance tools or, or things like that. So, you know, throughout the EO, there's a lot of discussion of, okay, you're thinking about this AI system, how does it impact privacy? Uh, but there are also, you know, more specific um, stipulations in there. One of the things it talks about is how to integrate AI into existing privacy regulations that we already have. Obviously, the federal government is farther along in creating privacy rules for, you know, just operating as a government than it is for AI. And, and one strategy is to sort of think about AI concerns as part of the existing privacy uh, rules that you might have to meet. Um, another thing is that it encourages the government to use of what's called privacy enhancing technologies. Um, so that might be like zero knowledge proofs, federated learning, a lot of really technical discussion related to that. But mm. this is an exciting idea for some people um, because it would sort of cre help create a market for privacy enhancing tech. I just talked to the president of the Mozilla Foundation, um, Mark Sherman, who was really excited about of that prospect as well. I think we should talk about the call for privacy legislation also. Yes. Uh, Biden still wants it. Yeah. And is tying it to AI. Executive. Will it happen? Yeah. Executive <laughs> orders can't do uh, everything. And uh, the you know call in the executive order um, or the Biden uh, White House discussion of it is a reminder that they, they still need Congress to do something. And obviously, there's a big process right now led by Schumer to sort of think about AI. And obviously, we're still waiting on privacy regulation, though, that, mm. you know, just echoes back to a conversation a lot of tech policy experts are having about how do you put those conversations together and, and talk about those issues in concert. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, there's been this intense interest in trying to regulate AI in D.C. And like there's momentum behind the AI conversation in Washington in a way that I don't think I've really experienced during my 10 years in the city. And at the same time, you know, folks who have been advocating for privacy legislation, like they're still sta like they're standing over in the corner, just going like, Hey, we're still here. 
we still want this. Like the thing we've been advocating for for the last five to 10 years, you know, it, it has huge implications for what you guys are talking about with regards to AI. And yet the privacy legislation piece is just kind of getting missed. Yeah, it, I think that, again, is probably why there's a sort of hope in sort of combining those discussions. Yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of time talking to the Electronic Privacy Information Center, privacy-focused um, uh, nonprofit here in D.C., and, you know, they talked about in a letter they sent pretty close to when uh, the executive order came out about, you know, taking privacy impact assessments and asking how can we think about AI as part of pri the privacy impact assessment process that already happens. Um, and I think that is probably a strategy um, a lot of privacy advocates are are looking into, but you know, a lot of privacy threats are gonna come from come from AI. Uh, so we'll have to see how that see how that goes. Um, but yeah, you know, see if Congress will we'll do see. anything. Maybe privacy legislation will finally happen. Maybe this will be the year. All right, you've mentioned OMB a lot during this conversation, that's the Office of Management and Budget. They issued some guidance this week trying to implement the EO. This is a, another extremely dense but very important document. What are they trying to do? Yeah, so it should be noted that this guidance, um, while it's being marketed as part or sort of part of this big AI effort coming out of this week from the White House, you know, we've been waiting on it for for quite some time. There's actually some pressure sort of came up in a congressional uh, like oversight subcommittee hearing. OMB has been charged with creating rules for how federal agencies ought to be using AI themselves. There's a lot of focus in this executive order, but just in general on how the private sector might use artificial intelligence or create artificial intelligence. But this is about what do federal agencies do? And that's that's a lot of AI. That's the AI that the TSA uses. That's the AI that uh, the Social Security Administration might be using, which has an enormous influence over people's lives. Um, so we've been waiting for quite some time for OMB to issue that guidance. They were supposed to do it. They finally did it this week. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, but that guidance sort of improves the infrastructure around the government's use of this technology. So that includes, you know, creating a, a more formal process for chief AI officers and sort of mimicking some of those other chief officers positions that we that we see in federal agencies, creating agency governance boards of a focused on AI, um, like within those agencies. It also changes, this is a big topic for us at FedScoop, um, changes aspects of the process of disclosing AI used by the government um, as part of the last executive order on artificial intelligence under the Trump administration in 2020. Mm. All the federal agencies were told that you had to create a list of all the AI systems you use. Um, not all the agencies, I should say. Many agencies were told that you have to make a list of all the AI you use and disclose it um, and to disclose a lot of those use cases publicly. Um, there have been a lot of issues with those disclosures. A big Stanford report looked at that. We've been doing a lot of um, reporting on those as well. And this sort of added improvements to that process, which is uh, really exciting to see. Um, and it, th this guidance also importantly created sort of new requirements around uh, sort of standards around very specific um, sensitive uses of AI. So things like emotion detection, facial recognition, things that really um, raise a lot of like civil rights and privacy concerns This sort of focuses in on those more than we've seen from past uh, government actions on AI. Mm, okay. Why don't we talk a little bit about criticisms as well or flaws of the executive order? What are you hearing in terms of, I don't know, disagreements, criticisms? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's like a lot of criticisms and there's uh, 
this, there's so much in it that there's a lot to disagree mm -hmm. with. And also, I guess for a lot of people, also a lot to like. Yeah. Um, the two big sort of concerns I've heard, one is that uh, the executive order focuses on increasing AI staff, like people who would have expertise with AI within the government. And this, there's this big AI talent surge that the Biden administration is focused on. But they're still so they're still working on hiring all of these people, which is going to take some time. At the same time, all of these agencies now have to go about implementing these new new, new requirements and also start using more AI and, and promoting AI innovation. So we have to both do the hiring and the uh, regulation and the innovation all at the same time. And this question of like whether there are the people to do it right now. Um, Another concern uh, that I expect might might continue to sort of come up is that this uh, executive order leads a lot to the agencies themselves, and it you know there's concern if you're some that like one of the, the agencies won't come up with particularly good rules. Like it doesn't spell out this. The executive order doesn't say like this is when you can use this system in this circumstance and not. It, it sort of lets the agencies sort of take you know, take the baton. And I think there's concern that that, you know, the agencies could essentially uh, do a bad job. Um, so that's, those are the sort of the big systemic criticisms of the executive order, but there has been a lot of positive responses to it. I think because it's trying to do everything, uh, people have a lot to sort through and we'll have to see how it goes. I think that's exactly right. I, the response overall, it seems has been surprisingly positive, I would say, both from industry and civil society civil society groups who I, I think have been extremely critical broadly of the government's approach to tech policy issues are for the most part, I think, welcoming this. And as you say, there are definitely folks who want stronger regulations in place, stronger protections in place, particularly on questions of civil rights, privacy, bias, discrimination. Um, but I think they're encouraged at least by what they're seeing so far. Um, but Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show and your great reporting on this. I am sure we will talk again. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can learn more about the AI executive order at the Daily Scoop Podcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Again, we'll be off next week, but after that, we'll be back with brand new episodes. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.